Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 69, with Mikhail Jackson. Welcome to episode 69 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. Uh, real quick, if you're curious about the skip and sequence numbers from your last episode, that's because our last podcast was a halftime episode, and those are now for community members only. That particular episode was about supplementing work or finding work that you use to pay the bills so that you can spend time on the work that you love but might not be fully sustainable yet. Anyhow, if that interests you, you can join the community where you'll get future halftime episodes along with their transcriptions, access to live Q&As with future former and special guests, monthly Google Hangouts, and especially an invite to the Slack channel where there are quite a few of us in there having a lot of fun as you're listening to this episode right now. Again, that's at makersofsport.com slash community. Today on the podcast, I'm very happy to welcome Mikhail Jackson to the show. I've actually been following Mikhail on Twitter for probably uh, since its inception, I think. We've we've been connected there for quite a while. Anyhow, Mikhail's official title is the Associate Director of Athletic Communications for St. John's University Athletics up in New York City. He is essentially the creative director for the athletic department where he manages all digital and print creative strategies for 16 varsity sports. In addition, Mikhail moonlights as a freelancer for clients such as the Phoenix Suns, Under Armour, his alma mater, the University of Michigan, Northwestern University, and a few other collegiate athletic programs. Welcome to the show, Mikhail. Fresh off the commute home from the hustle and bustle of the city. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to be here. So I was checking out your LinkedIn profile, PA announcer, writer, media contact, contact, designer of athletic marketing materials. Man, what what didn't you do during your career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I touched on a lot of things Yeah, uh, my career so far. Yeah, cool. So um, I did give a bit of a brief intro, but I'd like to kind of give you the opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your story. So can you give us a a little bit of a lead up to where you are today up at St. John's? Yeah, so I've I've been at St. John's, uh, I think, eight or nine years uh, right now. And my position has evolved since I first started. Uh, But, you know, to take you back, uh, you know, I don't have a a background in design. I have a, actually have a degree in English, and I, I got started because you know, in my fraternity, like we're we were throwing parties, and another guy in a fraternity was designing the flyers. And I said, "Wow, man, how did you make this flyer?" And you know, he said it was Photoshop. And I said, "Okay, if I bought a computer, can you put whatever program that you had on yours on mine?" Yeah. And I bought a laptop and I gave it to him. A couple of days later, he installed it with all, you know all the all the software that I needed. And I didn't take any classes. I just kind of just you know dove right into it and and just start doing things. And you know I, I look back at it and you know the stuff was really bad, but you know it it, it was you know self taught and right. I just kind of taught myself from there. And you know which eventually led me to the Merchant Marine Academy. Uh, straight out of college, where I was the uh, sports information director, and you know, a few months later, the, the job at St. John's opened up. Uh, so you know, I, and I, you know, I've, I've been there 
I've been here, you know, since 2007. And I mean, essentially, you know, I, I do manage all the creative and design for the athletic department. Uh, you know, I started off just doing publications, like, you know, layout media guides. And it, it has since evolved to, to, to now, uh, you know, overseeing, like, you know, what the players are wearing on the court, uh, the logo usage, whether we're going to rebrand, uh, you know, the proper logo usage on the broadcast, uh, video, uh, and you know, and any de- any designs that you see, any design strategy, any creative strategy, where we're going to place the ads, uh, wh- you know, what's the communication messaging on it, so all aspects of it. So you know, I, you know, I have my hand in a in a lot of pots. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If uh, what was what was the title of the position when you moved from the uh, uh, initial at the position at the United States Merchant Marine Academy when you first went over to St. John's? Like, what was the title of the St. John's position you were applying for? It was Assistant Director of Communications Publications Coordinator. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember the Publications Coordinator. It used to be, it's almost like that title now has almost transitioned to becoming (laughs) the Creative Director at a lot of schools because obviously the focus more on like digital media and stuff. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I'm curious, you, you didn't go to school for graphic design, you went to school for English and obviously I'm assuming journalism and writing and that type of thing being, being a huge, huge part of that, having sort of becoming or being sort of self-taught and especially like in, in media relations, we tend to see people that st- maybe start out there. Obviously you got your start in college, as you're mentioning on, on a couple little projects, but we tend to see people in media relations that maybe get a copy of Photoshop and start doing things, but they don't necessarily get into the fundamentals. Like they know how to make drop shadows and high pass filters and multiply texture and all that. And they, and then they, they tend to sort of call that graphic design, but uh, you, you sort of have developed a, uh, more fundamentals in terms of your work and understanding aspects of like typography, composition and color theory and all that. I'm curious, when did that start to happen? Like as far as like when you started to learn those fundamentals of graphic design, other than just doing like the software? I mean, honestly, like I want to be able to tell you when it exactly, it was a, it was a lot of trial and error and like even, like in my early years, even at St. John's, it was, you know, just me, you know, it, it would take me hours to just to do something that may only take me 10 minutes to do now. And it's just figuring things out. It's, you know, just looking at different pieces. You know, I, you know, I will always have my list of, of designers that, you know, I looked up to, schools that I looked up to, things that inspired me. And so, my, you know, basically my school was, okay, if I see something I like, let me try to do what they did. And, you know, because I think they do a great job and that's the only way that I could learn. And, you know, I guess, you know, some things just come naturally. But I mean, like even today, I I don't feel like I'm as fundamentally sound as as other designers out there. You know, just me looking from afar. I think there's other people that's, you know, just so talented and like they went to school for this stuff. And I have so much respect for them uh, because, you know, because I'm always feel, you know, I always feel like that I have to. You know, catch up and 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 be at that same standard as a lot of the other designers that's out there. Right, right. No, and and totally. I think I can understand that because, um, you know, it, it almost seems like that. That's from an outsider's perspective. Myself, I mean, I'm a. I went to school for graphic design, but just from an outsider having not, you know, the the people that didn't go to school for graphic design become self taught. 
I, uh, I don't necessarily believe, and it, it tends to be controversial at times, like I don't necessarily believe that you need to go to school for graphic design. Like it's, it's great if you do, but at the same time, like I think there are some fundamentals. Like to me, it's all about like your passion and are you willing to teach yourself and sort of like uh, develop your talent by studying others. And, and it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Uh, a lot of times we kind of teach ourselves by replicating others. But I mean, you do have, uh, to just kind of pay you a compliment, as somebody that did go to school for graphic design, you do have a uh, an aesthetic that looks like, I, I was actually surprised, to be honest with you. Like when I went to your uh, to do research for this episode and went to your, porf- or your uh, LinkedIn, I didn't know that you didn't go to school for graphic design. I think it just assumed that you went to school for graphic design. So <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a little compliment for you. For you. <laughs> um, so I guess when when did you start to identify as a graphic designer. So, I mean, you, you, you obviously did media relations initially and you're kind of doing a lot, basically like a, a little bit of everything, obviously, as we were kind of joking about in the beginning, but now you, you really call yourself a graphic designer. I mean, if we look at your, your LinkedIn and, or your, your Twitter feeds or whatever, I mean, you, you totally identify with being a graphic designer. Was there, a, was there a point in time where it was like, all right, this is what I am now, as opposed to maybe I just do a little bit of design here and there? Well, so to answer that question, it's kind of twofold. Now, I remember the exact moment where I said, okay, I want to do design. It was, you know, I believe, you know, maybe my senior year in college, it was time to apply for jobs. And my girlfriend then, who's my wife now, she said, well, why don't you apply to design jobs? I said, well, I don't like graphic design that much to, <laughs> to do it full time. And yeah. I said, Look, if if I'm going to design, I would rather just do it in sports because I like to. If I'm going to watch sports, I'd rather just work in sports. Right, no doubt, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was applying for all these other jobs. I was applying for you know like you know, TV sales jobs at ABC. I was actually offered uh, a job at ABC, um, it, you know, here here in New York, and I turned it down because the Merchant Marine Academy offered me a job. As you know, it, it was a school I never heard of, Division Three. Uh, you know, and this is me. I'm coming from Michigan. I'm thinking like, you know, you know me. You know, I'm going to Division Three school. Like, man, you know. But I said, you know, I got to get my foot in the door. Right. And and what opened that door for me was the little flyer designs that I did in college. And they said, oh, you know how to do graphic design we'll offer you the job because we need someone to do that as well as like be the media relations contact for like 17 sports. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, great. Uh, so at, at that moment, I knew that, okay, well, graphic design, if I'm going to do it, you know, here I am, I'm designing. And then uh, five months later, the St. John's job opened up. I'm like, man, you know, is my stuff good enough? Because I haven't been doing it for that long. And uh, Mark Frado, you know, he's a common name in the industry. Like he, he gave me a shot, like he gave me a chance. And, you know, he opened that door for me and, you know, I was, you know, of course, you know, intimidated that, man, you know, here, you know, I'm, I'm going up against the Texases of the world and, and the Dukes, you know, everyone, yeah. this was 07, this was Big East, 16 teams, Syracuse, the Louisville's was in it and, and my stuff was going to go up against them. So I said, well, can I do it? Kind of self-doubting, you know, myself. Right. And, um, you know, I, I just got right into it. And, and I think at that point, I knew that it's okay. Well, graphic design is is who I am, uh, you know, because now like I'm doing it full time. Right, right. And you know, to be honest, like I actually have um, one of my good friends is he doesn't work in sports, but he works for 
uh, a tech startup in Austin, Texas, and he he's one of the best designers that I know, especially as far as like the web is concerned. And he didn't go to school for design at all. I mean, he I think he went to school to be honest with you for like math, <laughs> which is crazy. Like he went to school for like math, and then he taught himself how to like code websites and stuff. And then he just he just sort of had this natural aesthetic. Um, that that he adopted over time, and then just started learning about typography and, and getting better with it. So, I mean, I think it's just a testament to when you when you become passionate about something, and that's really what this show is all about: is like teaching people and pushing people that are passionate about certain things to really go and pursue that thing, even if maybe your past doesn't reflect um, or your your path to that thing isn't ideal, so to speak. Right. Um, even uh, Jason Fearman down at LSU, uh, he was episode. Uh, five, I think. Um, but he 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 was at LSU as a, as their director of publications for a while. And he he didn't start out in graphic design. I mean, he, I think he was like SID, went into design, then got real involved in the advertising scene. Uh, became involved with like the American Advertising Federation and all that. Uh, went to an agency for like two years. And he was actually at an agency when I interviewed him for the show. And now he's back at LSU as like their executive creative director for athletics. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, if you're passionate about it, then, you know, pursuing it and that type of thing. Um, so just in regards to sports design, I mean, obviously a lot of us get into this because we love sports. Um, and, and sometimes it can be a little bit about making stuff look cool on social media. I mean, we don't really have, occasionally there might not be a concept, right? Like, or, or an idea that needs to be pushed forward. Uh, it's just like, hey, we just need to get some engagement with this particular image. So it's really like our job to just like kind of go all out and 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 really just kind of almost like glorified band posters, right? Like just make it cool. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious with your work at St. John's, uh, you're obviously doing work for 16 different teams, and and we, I think most of us just know St. John's as a basketball school. Uh, is there is there a cohesiveness that you're trying to go after in terms of like making things look like they all belong together from a brand perspective? Maybe season by season, keeping the look the same, sort of season by season, or maybe like a certain sport has a particular look, and you try to stick with that look for that particular sport. Yeah, uh, every every year, like maybe during the summertime or like right when the spring season ends, you know, I go, go through a brainstorming session. You know, it could just be myself or like the the assistant that I have um, or even like the interns. And, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, what went right this past year? You know, what do we want to do you know, next year? And, and, and I always find myself, okay, well, what, what, do I want to go lighter or darker? You know, it's, you know, do I want to, you know, push the reds and the whites, or push you know our darker tertiary colors. Uh, but like you know, overall, like you know, during my time there, it's um, you know, it, it it starts in the fall. We'll I'll, we'll develop something, and then you you'll see that you know between the fall, the winter, and then the spring sports, the the design and the color schemes will start to evolve. Um, you know, and and. and that's the type of things you like. You will want to do with it. Like you'll start to refine small little things while keeping uh, consistent c- consistency, you know, across the board. But basketball is, is 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 where a lot of the energy gets put into because they're you know those are the things that's out there in the, in the public view. Right. It's you know you're doing more of it and and you're doing more uh, unique social graphics. So you know you could do you know 
you could do one thing and, and, and you could do, you know, design something to look totally different. But, you know, like the consistent thing is the logo, the fonts, and you just kind of just evolve from there. Um, right. And, you know, I'd imagine that um, red is, is not, it's not an easy color to work with because my, my alma mater is actually maroon. And I remember like you, you tone that back at all in opacity and you're kind of getting into like some pinks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's something to always, I imagine you have to deal with that all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah um, well, I'm curious, you mentioned kind of people that you look to uh, for inspiration and that type of thing. Is there, is there anybody, we tend to be a little bit intrinsic in nature in terms of designers and especially sports designers. We tend to just look in sports. Is there anywhere that you look outside of sports that maybe you're paying attention to either design-wise, like maybe a- advertising agencies or design firms or just particular brands and, and that type of thing? Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, the most recent things. Um, there's this artist, Justin Bua. He does a lot of, you know, just hand art, hand embellishments. Uh, he's like an urban artist. Uh, you can, you know, check out his site. But Yeah, how do you spell his last know, name? I, I, I'm going to look it up real quick. B, B-U-A. Justin B-U-A. 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 All right, cool. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, you know, so I definitely like his stuff. I have some of his, I think I have four or five different paintings up around, uh, like my home office. And, you know, it, you know, and I like it because I'm not a painter, right? right. He, he does something that I can't do. Yeah. Right. And so I see his stuff. I'm like, man, this guy drew this. So like, you know, right now I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I think it's called, you know, the trumpet man, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at it and say, man, this guy drew it. I'm looking at the colors and, and, and it inspires me to a point to always try to do something that that you can't do because I can't paint right. what he just painted right there. So so he's one, and you know, and I also have some other stuff from this. You know, I, I forget I forget his name, but uh, you know, he he's from Detroit. He's a he's a you know he's also an illustrator. Um, you know, I, I purchased you know one of his poster prints from his site, uh, not knowing that he was he was also from Detroit. And I have this stuff up because, look, I, I, I'm not an illustrator. I can't draw, but right. I, I respect the fact that he did it. Uh, now, and you're from Detroit, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in Detroit. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and and then, like, there's other sites like Kenneth Cole. Uh, you know, I, I follow a lot what they do. Only because, like, I, I like the black and white. And for some reason, it... Uh, I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to to the type of content they're posting, mm-hmm. and I guess the purity and the cleanliness of what they're posting it it inspires me. You know, for whatever reason, it you know like their posts and the way they lay out their shoes and their clothes just inspires me. So, yeah, yeah. And I saw you wrote about that actually on your blog. I'll throw a link in the show notes for everybody listening. No, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and- so what about like? Do you get to, just kind of touching on Detroit for just a little bit? Do you get, do you get home much? Yeah, I get home. So I'm I'm one of seven kids, mm-hmm. and so I always try to go home for Christmas uh, because you know St. John's. You know, you you get some time off, and and, and right. that that's the longest break that I have. So I always try to get home for Christmas, and then uh, it, it always seemed like someone's graduating in like during the spring yeah. summer months. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so I always go back between April and June, like every year. Well, Detroit, man, it, it it's it is a really interesting city to me. Like I've never had a chance to spend a lot of time there, but. 
you know, we sort of always see this, they call it like ruin porn or whatever. Like this is like really terrible imagery of of Detroit. But I watched this like documentary or video once and I think it was like, it was like a, a shoe company, like like they made boots, I think. I want to say it was like Johnny Knoxville that was like uh, doing this thing. And they were like going behind the scenes and showing all of the creative things that are happening in Detroit. Like that, and to me, that was like really inspiring how you have these artists behind the scenes, like maybe doing like these community gardens or or just like these sort of co-working spaces, creating, uh, being creative and trying to like make the city like a creative place. But we never get to hear about that kind of stuff. Like, is there anything behind the scenes that you're familiar with that maybe we wouldn't know about that you can tell us about? Well, everything in Detroit, like everything that you just said is what society's view of Detroit is. You know, everyone thinks Detroit is the, the rundown, Slums, right? And you know, it's violent. You know that—that's—that's that's what everyone thinking. And, and then maybe someone you know heard just a small little snippet of "Oh, Detroit's on the rise." But Detroit is. If 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 I had the capital to just buy a bunch of property in downtown Detroit, I would do it. Like even now, condo prices in in Detroit is equivalent to that of New York. Like you're you're not going to get in thinking that you're about to get a steal. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Detroit went through its bankruptcy, uh, that was the low point for Detroit. But that's the, the like the positive sign in that there's only one way to go, and that's up. Right. If you go to Detroit right now, you walk around downtown, you would think that it's you know parts of New York because it's vibrant. There's new businesses coming. There's you know it's it, it's the newness. I mean, like you yeah. see, like the tig- the tigers are right there, the lions are there, and they're you still building have the, the Pistons. The- I mean, you got professional teams there, right? And yeah, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. that a lot of people still like. I met a guy about two years ago who was going to art school up in Cincinnati and they have like a really good industrial design program. And the guy was like, man, I'm trying to get to Detroit, man. Cause like I want to design cars. Like it's still people that want to work in that industry. You still, that's still where you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely where you got to go. Like the Red Wings are building, you know, a new stadium, a new entire complex over there. And like, you know, Detroit itself, it's, I mean, it's still, you know, where my heart is and yeah, uh, it's the, the buildings over there. You'll see like uh, you know, just different unique prints. Like you know, I'll go to a restaurant and and some you know just regular Detroiter like you know painted all the all the large canvas art all across the all across the restaurants. So, and man, look, you know, there's a lot of talented people in Detroit. And you know, I you know, I mean, I, I guess you can tell by my reaction. You know, yeah, my no, it's it is, man. You can tell, and I think it's I think that's a good thing, and that's why I wanted you to kind of tell that because. Um, to kind of get past like maybe the negative stereotypes that we hear because I, I you know people that I've talked to that are from Detroit talk about how it's like a, actually like a pretty creative city like there's a lot of opportunity there for creative people you know it, it definitely is um, only because you know a lot of artists are, are migrating back to Detroit you know there, there's some things to say oh Detroit is the new Brooklyn uh, because all you know all, all, all the artists that's that's not like graphic designers but like the true uh, like know, fine artists, yeah, fine artists throwing uh-huh. paint on 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 the walls. Just you know, like the creative types. Brooklyn has has been like they priced these guys out, so they're going to Detroit. Yeah, they're they're, they're buying the, this empty warehouse, this empty loft, and they're they're doing what they're you know what they want to do to it, and they're making a whole community out of it. But it's not being talked about. But yeah, it's it's happening. So you're gonna wake up one day and realize that man, you know, Detroit is 
that the new city is the newness. Like, you know, no one's going to, you know, they're going to talk about Detroit same breath as they're talking about Brooklyn or any other right. creative cities. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, and it makes me like, I need to get up there and visit that place. I've been through it. I've, I've actually, uh, actually, you know what? I take that back. I haven't even been through Detroit. I've been to Ann Arbor. And I want to say, there one, at one point, I was supposed to go to Canada, and I ended up not being able to go. But um, I need to get up there and see that. Let's, but just about just to transition back over into sports a little bit, I, I, I did want you to kind of tell that that Detroit story and kind of get some of that out, man, because I, I I kind of really appreciate that. You know, with people that appreciate where they come from, especially now since you're in New York. Um, Eight years in an athletic department, man, that's a long time. Eight to yeah. nine years, what you were saying. And the game has changed quite a bit. I mean, you're a, you're a millennial like me, right? I just, I'm just i just assuming by your by your by when you graduated. Um, we're kind of like the older millennials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like technology <laughs> for us. Like you probably remember, how old are you? I'm uh, 32. Oh, we're the exact same age. So you probably remember like... Um, like typing classes and like yep. school and like doing like Oregon Trail or whatever, like those yeah. black black computer screens with like the green <laughs> green fonts. Yep. <laughs> and then the now you look at where things are. Floppy disk. Yeah, no doubt. Floppy disk, zip disk. I remember I had zip disk in college. Like we put our portfolios on and stuff. Um, but you know, so the, so the game changes a lot though. Like if you look at where we are now and and what you have to keep up with, you got Snapchat, you got Periscope, you got all this new social media and technology that comes out every single day. Uh, you know, every week it's like you read about something and it's like oh, you got to have a presence there to be able to engage and like tell your story. What? Where do you go to sort of keep up with this, whether that's online or in physical form? Like, how do you stay up to date? Because I know you're like a family man too, right? So you got to spend time there. Where do you find time? Like, how do you how do you stay up to date? Well, I, I, I'm I'm a, a magazine and article whore. Uh, like yeah. I'm always looking at news articles. I'm flipping through news articles like constantly, every single day. I'm on Yahoo. I'm on the on the on the, on the news app. And I mean, and working at a university, uh, it also helps because you're always around the 18 year olds, like the new millennials who. Uh, they like they convinced me to go on Snapchat because you know it's always in a, in a daily conversation with you know if you're talking to an 18 year old and if you realize that what they're saying is so much different now from what you're saying so you, you begin to listen to it and when we have our our staff meetings those things come up and you know and maybe you know, an intern will will say hey well what what about this and we'll explore it and so okay well hey why not because you know, they're more in tap to what students their age are, are, you know, what they're doing than what I may be doing. You know, I may know right. about the thing, but, you know, I may not be as active on, some, you know, something like a Snapchat uh, than, than they are. But. Right, right. Well, I guess I didn't really think about that. Like I, I, uh, I as a freelancer, I mean, I work <laughs> by myself for the majority of the day, just kind of rely on interactions online and things like that with people. But you're around these kids. I mean, they're going to yeah. be up to date, right? Like the basketball yeah. players, the athletes, the interns, they're going to know what's, what's going on out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, being just kind of making a little bit of a transition here, we were talking about Detroit a little bit. We we kind of briefly mentioned that you were were went to the University of Michigan, and I'm curious. Being a University of Michigan graduate, I'm assuming that you're probably a football first guy. That might be a bad assumption. I don't know because I know you watch a lot of NBA and stuff like that. But um, actually, having worked with Michigan 
during my IMG college days, uh, I know that football rules the roost, so to speak. So obviously, historically, uh, the basketball, I mean, historically, the basketball has a pretty decent uh, athletic program too. And you guys are usually in the top 25 in, in modern years. And obviously, we think about like the Fab Five and what they did for the game. But I'm curious, what was it like for you transitioning from a football-heavy environment to a basketball-heavy environment? Well, it, it was it was a bit of a transition. It took maybe six years for me to fully transition uh, to that type of environment mm-hmm. uh, because you know, I, I essentially started St. John's straight out of college. So my college experience was the big campus, like the city is the campus, football, football is king. And then you go to a basketball city at a basketball school at a campus that that's big, but you know it's it's within a gated community. So, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, and, and I joined St. John's at a time where, you know, they were at a transition uh, and they were, you know, I think they just got a new coach and, you know, and, and they weren't very good. So, uh, to, to, so, you know, trying to transition to that mindset, uh, you know, it, it, it was a bit of a, a bit of a challenge, but, you know, you kind of get used to it once you realize that, oh, I have my summer because I'm not preparing for football. And you know maybe I, you know I'm just preparing for soccer and, and women's soccer, you know, which is a bit easier. But I mean, just you know, just you know, overall, you know, I would think like the atmosphere, uh, like Adam, Michigan, for football Saturday is, you know, I don't think you can compare that to to anywhere else. Like if you, if you haven't experienced it, it's hard to describe, and, and no one else would get it. But the atmosphere at St. John's, like for a basketball game during basketball season, like that type of atmosphere, you're not going to find at a at some place like a Michigan, like at a football school, because basketball is king. At, you know, you know, for for St. John's and in New York, basketball is is everything. And and there's something about the air in New York. You know, when, when you go into the Garden for for a noon Saturday game versus like a noon game. Uh, at a football school. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, New York, man, it's, it's the, uh, I think every basketball person that's a fan or just interested in the culture of basketball, like it's just the Mecca of basketball. I mean, you think about like Rucker park, you think about just like the street ball game and where that came from and New York city point guards. I mean, even being a Kentucky basketball fan and growing up in the state of Kentucky, uh, and, you know, obviously paying attention to what Rick Pitino did while he was at Kentucky, but also at, the University of Louisville. I mean, he was always trying to get a New York City point guard. Like that was the thing for him, right? Which, which I think is cool. Right. Um, so, actually, are you are you doing much work? I mean, I know this freelance a little bit for him, but are you still doing much work for Michigan now that they're kind of building in what seems like an in-house team? Uh, no, I don't. I don't do as much for them now uh, that I did in years past. Did you work with uh, Barb Kosman over there? Um, no, uh, I do a little work with her now, you know, I've, you know, I've, I interact more with her now, like within the past year than I did like the previous three or four years. Oh, okay, cool. Cause I was going to say actually, uh, during my years at IMG, well years, like I was there for a long time. I was actually at IMG for like a year and a half. Seems like about 10 years though. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, when I was there, I actually got to work with the University of Michigan. I remember being super pumped. Like that was my biggest brand basically that I was doing stuff for. I mean, I was doing stuff, I had done some stuff for uh, like Florida State 
and um, and then I was doing some stuff for like some smaller schools and also doing like the SEC tournament, SEC football championship. But there was just something about working with the University of Michigan that felt special. And actually, I had the opportunity to visit Ann Arbor and I'd never been before. And man, like th- there's something in the air there. Like it's a total college town, like the architecture and the, and the quad man, it's something crazy about that. Like I can't, it's hard to explain. Like I just remember feeling so inspired going, but anyway, she was my contact there. So I was just curious, actually, um, another crazy little story. When I left IMG, I was going full-time freelance and, and they actually let me bid on a proposal for like their non-revenue sport promotional materials, which is like, you know, like the posters and schedule cards and, and all that for basically everything but football and basketball, all the other yeah. sports. <laughs> um, and uh, I ended up, I think my quote was actually like, like almost 50% higher than anybody else. <laughs> and I ended up losing to like, it was like Summit Athletics or Old Hat or one of those kind of like 24-hour design shops. Yeah. But from that, Old Hat. Yeah, and then I was like, but it was just funny because that was when I was initiate, initiated into like the whole race to the bottom that is like bidding in sports design, which is like the, probably the worst part about our industry. How it's just like, who can get the who can get it the cheapest? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in changing kind of transitioning a little bit, you kind of talked about New York and we touched on a little bit as far as like the Mecca of basketball and that type of thing. And obviously I mentioned I'm a Kentucky basketball fan and, and it seems that people in the state of Kentucky tend to watch a lot of college basketball, according to like a lot of these ESPN polls and stuff. And we really, we really live, eat and breathe the game. But that being said, St. John's, I mean, it's always been intriguing to me. And I think it's just because of the history of basketball at St. John's. I mean, St. John's for me is synonymous with college basketball. You have a great history of coaches. You're in the city. Uh, Obviously we talked about New York City basketball and how special it was. And especially like as a kid growing up in the eighties and nineties, despite tough seasons in recent years, what would you say it is about St. John's that kind of makes it so special to the world of basketball? we talked about New York, but what is it specifically about St. John's that, that that you can say really kind of makes it that basketball school and and synonymous with the game? Well, one, uh, there's no other team in America that can call Madison Square Garden like their home arena. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. (laughs) It's 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 something if you can, you know, if you if you look at your home schedule and and your home games are played at the Garden and you're in the same locker room as as the Knicks, but it's dressed up like it's a like it's a St. John's locker room, and and your logo is on the court, and people are going there to see you, and and you step outside the Garden on Seventh Avenue, and you have the St. John's light poles up, you know, going all the way down the street, around the block, around the corner, and you have the the, the big banner up, you know, right there when you walk into the underpass. Uh, it's it's something about that, like what other school, you know. Can can claim that? I mean, like there may be schools that can come there, you know, once a once a season, you know, every every year, just just one time, you know, they may come for the Big East the Big East tournament, uh, but other than that, like it's that it's it's our home court. It's is where we play basketball. And we have access to it, and you know, and people are trying to get there, but you know, no, we play there, so it's uh, I, I think that, in my opinion, sells itself, right. And you guys, I mean, you really play into that too, right? With like some of your campaign being like, we're New York's team. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, it's definitely something that we've been pushing uh, the last couple of years strong, uh, and especially like with the hiring of Chris Mullen, who, uh, you know, he's a, you know a native New Yorker. Uh, it's you know we really wanted to 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 drive that drive that point, uh, especially across all all of our sports. You know, before that was just a like a basketball only saying, but this year uh, we kind of adopted it for for the rest of the sports just to just to just to drive that because we want to be able to to. To market that, you know, all of our teams are, you know, we we are all New York's team, and and we want to make sure that you know the pe- people recognize it and and people can uh, relate to it. Do you have to battle some with like say Syracuse, who obviously is not a New York City team, but they try to uh, people maybe that aren't familiar with the game might think that they are. Uh, yes, yes. I I I was I would say so uh like a couple of years ago I think they had like New York's college team and then uh I, I think they they have an ad placement like in, in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, but you know so like if if I'm if I'm talking like amongst friends you know we we'll, we'll, we'll throw like you know small little shots but yeah. like, okay well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know uh, if, you know we're, we're we're New York's team New York states Team, you, you know, yeah. like you're like eight hours away. Like if you, you yeah. want to you want to plant the garden, you're eight hours. Away. You're eight hours away. Yeah, yeah. I bet that would be a little fun, little opportunity to throw some jabs back and forth. <laughs> um, I do. You mentioned Chris Mullins, and uh, and I want to talk about him a little bit. I'm a big Slam Magazine fan. I actually, do a little bit of work for Slam, and I know that like Slam historically just seems to have always been a big Chris Mullins fan. I remember reading articles about how just some of the things that they said he would do back in the day during his playing days. Uh, but I want to talk about kind of the interesting storylines that play into a, a school like St. John's from a branding perspective. I got a colleague of mine here in Lexington who was a global managing director at Ogilvy Worldwide, which is a, a big advertising agency. Uh, he was there for many years. But anyway, he, he has this sort of mantra where he says that brands are a name, a color, and a personality, which I love, especially the personality part. And St. John's has some big personalities in, in association with its, especially its basketball history. And uh, Louis, Carn- how do you say his last name? Carnesica? Carnesica. Carnesica, okay, yeah. Louis Carnesica, his glory years in the Big East. I mean, Big East basketball. And then obviously we talk about your current coach and beloved player, Chris Mullins. How do those personalities affect the brand? Are you playing into that at all, visually or strategically? Uh, well, well, this year we played into it only because it was uh, Mullen's first year, right, uh, at at St. John. So we wanted to 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 bring some of those pieces back in, so people can reflect and people can say, "Oh man, Chris Mullen is back." Uh, but I think ultimately, you know, we don't we we appreciate like the year. That you know he you know he made it to the the final four in 1985, but you know we want to move it to a point where we're celebrating the present and the future, right? And 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 start something new, and 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 maybe uh, you know while he's the coach, you know we can get back to the final four, and and we're starting like a new history, a new tradition, and and not always uh, praising uh, 1985. I mean you know it, it it's good and it's it, and it's great. Uh, to remember it and to honor it, uh, but at the same time, like like you want to continue to write that history book, right? Exactly. And I mean, him being a New York kid, like these kids probably maybe they haven't heard the stories about him, right? I mean, at this point, like 1985 is a long way away. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but you guys, uh, I think that you guys, there are some other little little touch points that I want to touch on. Uh, you guys are an Under Armour school, and I think you have been for a couple years, and Under Armour just happens to have arguably the best player in the game of basketball. Are you able to leverage that type of thing at all in terms of the athletic program? Because I know that he, Steph Curry, he came and practiced at your gym. Mullins obviously had a, a relationship with the with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, there's like a really nice little serendipitous thing there kind of going, weaving through. There's like a nice little through line weaving through all that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. It was, And you're right. Uh, the Warriors and Steph Curry, they did practice that. Uh, at, at the school, you know, I had a chance to be over there uh, with those guys. And, that was my know, next question, actually. Did you meet Steph Curry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, like they were over there for a little while, and you know, I was, I was over there the the, the entire time. You know, the, you know, the guys got to take pictures and everything, and uh, so you know, that was actually like, man, like, wow, like, th- th- this is unreal. Like, you know, <laughs> to see St. John's, you know, come to a point where you know, just a, you know. A, I don't know what day it was. Let's say it was a Tuesday. A mm-hmm. Tuesday afternoon, the Golden State Warriors, the best team in, in basketball right now, is is in the gym, you know, having, you know, practicing. And the, right. and the NBA MVP is, is right there practicing as well. And he's an Under Armour, Under Armour guy. So, you know, we, you know, we, we can we can post something to our social media. Steph Curry is gonna retweet it and re-like it. Under Armour is gonna repost it. Right. So now, you know, you know. Now we're no. Now we're reaching more than just our followers on our platforms. We're reaching Steph Curry's followers and Under Armour's reach. So it's you know one one post can can travel you know to millions and millions of people because of our association. Now you know would, would they have came if if we didn't have Chris Mellon? I don't know. You know would 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 the photos have traveled just as far if if uh, Steph Curry wasn't Under Armour? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but it's definitely it's definitely an interesting through line, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like yeah, I remember when I, and I think a lot of people probably don't think about that. I think people like us that tend to be a little more on the marketing and branding side of things, we sort of see that and recognize those opportunities. And uh, were any Under Armour people there, like at that event, or was it just it just kind of happened and nobody knew about it? Oh uh, yeah, no, it, it just kind of happened. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like a publicized event or anything. But it's a great opportunity right there, and I'm glad that you guys leveraged that to really get brand recognition. Because if you think about how I think most a lot of diehard basketball fans are going to know about St. John's, but if you just have like some casual like basketball fan who's just a fan of Steph Curry, he might see that. And now all of a sudden he's like, who's St. John's, man? This is kind of interesting. Like, let me check these guys out. So it's like, you never know what type of seed might be planted in something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which I think at the end of the day, in my opinion, that's one of the beautiful things about the stuff that we do. And you just, you can't, you're almost building brands. I mean, it's, that's what Jeremy Darlow. I don't know. Did you read his book? No, no, I haven't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I did. That's the guy from, uh, the digital guy from Adidas. Yeah, yeah. He was on a couple months ago. And it just, his whole mantra, man, that just building brands, right? And brands win championships and that type of thing. It's That, to me, is more fun and important in what we do than some of, some of the sort of like intrinsic, self-righteous awards that we as designers sometimes seek. <laughs> So uh, kind of staying in the vein of Under Armour, obviously you guys are Under Armour School and you, you do a little bit of freelance for Under Armour. So I'm curious, like, is there anything specific that you're doing for them or what's, what's kind of the, the crossover there? Is that something that happened kind of serendipitously? Was it a coincidence or was it something maybe you met them through your relationships with the school? No, it was, it was something totally, totally separate and 
you know, I have a, I have a contact over there. You know, I don't I don't do too much. Uh, I don't do too much with them. Uh, but you know, it was. I mean, it, you know, I, I have a chance. To, you know, to work on a you know a few a few projects uh, here and there in some of their like their in, environmental design space. Right. Uh, so it's uh, you know it, you know it's, it's definitely like a unique opportunity, and you know it's like you know they're at like a large corporate. Uh, corporate entity, mm-hmm. so you know it's a little different from you know working with you know a college team or a pro team or like a, or, or a pro league. Uh, so right, so they're probably like when you get that particular work, it's probably like the idea is done. We need to just kind of execute or something like that. Yeah, or or like you'll have creative freedom, uh, but like like you never know like you know how far it's it's going to travel. If it if it's gonna hit the cutting room floor, if it's gonna you know make the cut, right? Uh, so you know, so you might do work, and it might not actually even see the light. Of day. It's kind of conceptual pitches and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's I think that's how a lot of those big brands are. I know um, just some friends that have done some stuff for Nike. It's it's sort of like you know you'll do some work, they'll hire you to provide a couple concepts, and then like you don't you don't even know like you don't you get your paycheck, and it's like all right. <laughs> Maybe it'll come yeah. out. Maybe it won't. But you'll see it if it does, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. but still, I mean, it's good. Uh, you freelance, and and you've gone as far even to set up an LLC. So it's it's obvious that you're you're serious about freelancing. Um, so, it, but it's good to have that type of brand to be able to say that you worked with them, even if it's in a small fashion. I mean, that goes a long way with people. Like, it, you don't have to, in my opinion design like the next Jordan to be able to 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 be able to say that you like did work with brand Jordan right like that's that's right. that to me is is where I think there's a lot of misconceptions on stuff and I think a lot of people make assumptions too where like oh this guy worked with uh uh you know I don't know Puma uh oh he must have designed like the latest like soccer kit from <laughs> over in Europe or something like that. And it's like no man, you you might have done just like a very minor like social media image or or been brought into pitch on concepts. But the fact that you work with a big brand like that, that to have that under your belt and be able to say that you did that, that to me is is actually the most important part. Even if you're not even allowed to show the work, which sometimes ends up being the cases. Right. What? Um, so I, you on Twitter and on LinkedIn. You call yourself a sports creative director. So, just for the listeners, can you define maybe what you view that as, and then talk about why you chose to position yourself as that for your personal brand? So, I've always told myself, look, I don't want to be boxed in as as just a graphics designer mm-hmm. uh, because you know I'm always looking, I'm always looking forward. I'm looking, okay, well, where, where do I want to be in five years? And in five years, I'm always thinking, where do I want to be in five years? So, you know, I was always, I don't like to call myself like a, just a graphic designer. You know, if, if you know, I want to say sports creative director, uh, because, you know, it, the, you know, the term creative director, you know, it, in my opinion, you know, it has flashes of you setting, um, Setting, setting goals, setting, okay, well, where do I see the brand creatively? Uh, not just on paper, but on things that, that you do, like how you position yourself, how you position yourself, like what it is that, that you see, what it is that, that you do. And, but, you know, but putting the word sports in front of it, you know, I, I know my focus. I know the area that I want to be in. I don't want to do anything else, but I want to do it in sports. And, so like if you if you go to my if you go to my site you know I have like a, a, a an intro line 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I say it because in the in the long term, I I don't want to be so focused on graphic designing where I'm, I don't have any influence in any any of the other moving parts. Right. You know, maybe I don't want to be a freelancer. Um, you know, long term. You know, you know, freelancing it is good now because it, it gets me experience. You know, it, if I know that I can't move anywhere else, if I know that, you know, you know because of whatever situation, whether it's because the wife is working, uh, whether it's because like you know we love New York, and I can't get experience anywhere else because St. John's is the biggest brand in New York in terms of collegiate sports. I can freelance. And bring that in. I, I could bring, you know, like my talents and my creativity to those brands that I work with. But also, like, there's something that I'm gaining professionally where I could take that back to the office. And whether it's like a different strategy, whether it's, uh, you know, just what I've seen other schools and other brands, you know, like how they conduct meetings. You know, I bring that culture inside of St. John's to, to, to change the culture so, so that, you know, I can position... Uh, everything that I've learned from all these other brands and position, you know, us at St. John's to to be the best team and the best marketing and creative team in the Big East. Uh, so, you know, yeah. Ultimately, I want to be the guy hiring the freelancers uh, to execute uh, my vision for a brand, and and I mean, and and hopefully, you know, I can continue to to improve design wise. Hopefully, I can continue to improve professionally. And and I'm I'm already you know starting to do a lot of the stuff now uh, you know outside of just graphic design and, and that's like brand management mm-hmm. in, in terms of um, you know on court apparel off court apparel uh, licensing those type of things where it's okay like I'm going to continue to grow professionally I'm going to continue to develop all while just staying focused in on what my true passion is and that's just like sports marketing. And right. create creativity. Yeah, and you know, I think that it's it's a good move too because uh, it's the first time that I've ever, I think that I've probably ever heard the term sports creative director, but I remember when I read it, I was like, man, I really like that because we always hear sports designer and that sort of like immediately pigeonholes you. And, and I think that you and I are probably a lot alike in that we have like multiple creative interests. Like I, at the end of the day, like I consider myself a designer first, but this podcast, for example, is a creative interest of mine, right? Where I'm, I mean, this thing has a lot of writing that takes place as far as like preparing for episodes, researching, and I'm really passionate about brands. And even one of my major freelance clients that I'm on retainer with is a, is a lacrosse company. And I'm really kind of helping them manage their creative strategy and those types of things. And that's why I love the word, you know, being a creative director, because that's probably how I would sum myself up too. Like I actually can call myself at, through my studio as a creative director, because sometimes I am, I do have a, uh, an independent designer that used to intern for me that does a lot of work for me and I'll art direct her work. Right. Or sometimes I do help the, um, the, you know, a client write some stuff, even though I don't consider it my strong point. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm a bad writer by any means, but I wouldn't really necessarily call myself a copywriter, <laughs> but you know, like it, there's a, there's a lot of little, a lot of different touch points when you just use the word creative, then there's like assumptions that are made. Right. And I think people just try to tend to put us in a box anyway. Like that's just the human nature just yeah. to try to understand what it is you do. Kind of that whole elevator pitch mentality. Right. And, and so even with you, like naming your LLC, Mikel Jackson, LLC, 
you know, or, or creative as opposed to Mikhail Jackson design. Like there's a little bit of a, a um, subconscious thing there, right? To where now it's like, oh, this guy, he's not just a designer. Like I just automatically assume now he does some other things too. Maybe he's shooting, maybe he does photography too, right? Yeah. And, and I imagine that that sort of aligns with, with what you were going with there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it sort of it sort of aligns with that. You know, I I guess like using the word creative, I think like you can kind of you could put that like with marketing as as well, like creative marketing. Uh, I just I just you know I, I stayed away from the graphic, stayed away from design uh, because like when people think that it's like you said, like they put you in this box and they put you in this box, and then when other opportunities you know come up. They don't think of you like like if if you can have a talented graphic designer out there, but if they're branding themselves as this graphic designer, and you usually the graphic designer reports into some type of a marketing department, right? Like they're under like this marketing umbrella. Well, now the chances for that graphic designer to become the marketing director are probably slim, unless you're positioning yourself in a, in a way to have an opportunity. To be that marketing director, uh, you know, or whatever equivalent uh, hierarchy that you know there is at whatever company uh, that you're at. So, you know, f- f- for me, I guess subconsciously years ago when I decided just to use creative and and everything that I did, I said, okay, look, you, I, I'm, I'm I don't want to be boxed in. I have I do have career goals. I have professional goals, and in order or, in order for me to get there, I have to represent myself. Uh, as as you know, the best I the best I know how, and if I know that like long term, I don't want to be a graphic design director. Yes, I want to be a creative director, and yes, I want to be you know I want to make those key decisions for the overall brand and, and the overall strategy, but also like you know just being true I am. So I think that there's a better shot, uh, in in my opinion, for me to to continue to climb that ladder uh, to be the guy that's running. A, a team's marketing strategy, creative strategy, and not just a graphic designer putting pen to paper. Yeah, totally. And I think at the end of the day, a creative director is more of a business position, and a graphic designer is more of like a just an, a flat out execution position. I think that's right, probably how yeah. it almost gets summed up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So let's let's talk about um, your freelance a little bit, and you know, just kind of going a little bit deeper on it. You you did set up an LLC, and so I, I was mentioning earlier, like you know, if you go to the, to the extremes of setting up an LLC, it's a it's it's a much more serious move, right? And so yeah. I'm I'm curious, are is there any shot or dreams of you? Uh, you maybe mentioned it earlier, and I and I can't remember exactly what you said, but are, is there any shot at dreams of wanting to do the full time thing, like just to flat out go out and be a business, or are you or do you see yourself always working in house for like a, a college athletics brand or a team brand? So that that question always comes up. Like I think my brother asked me recently, another f- close friend of mine. Like you know, I get that question all the time. So and 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 it's always like a consistent answer. If I worked in banking, I would have left my job a while ago. If I worked in any other field full time, I would have left a while ago. But because I'm in a, a unique position where the job that I have, I love. I, I you know I, I love I love the department. I love the school. I love what I do. I like I love college athletics. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know and it's equivalent to what I do uh, as as a freelancer. You know I mean granted it's a lot of work. You know I'm up. 
you know, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to work, you know, 8 to, you know, 6.30 or whatever that time is. And then I'll come home, I'll, you know, I'll have some family time. And then I'm, I'm back, you know, back grinding it out to 2 a.m. And, yeah. and I'm used to it now. It's almost just like a way of life. But for me right now, like, I still have professional goals. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still things I want to do professionally uh, that, you know, there's, you know, I think everyone has dreams. And, you know, there's some things that I, I want to achieve and, and I want to accomplish. So, you know, and, and until I'm at peace and, and, and you know, and, I've, I, and I've, I've prayed about it. And until I get that clear answer that it's time for me to just go and do the, the, the freelance thing full time, you know, then I'll step away. But, you know, right now, you know, there's some things that I want to achieve professionally and there's, and I still think you know, there's more for me out there. Um, well, I think it says a lot about you as an individual, in my opinion. Like your 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 loyalty and the fact that you've probably had opportunities to move to a big time Division One athletic department, or not that St. John's is Division One, but basically football school, right? Because we know that that kind of rules rules college athletics and you've stuck at St. John's and and in my opinion like there's a lot to that uh to just as a as a compliment to you because eight years man is a long time and not even in athletics but just in general for a millennial I mean most millennials leave their job for like two to three years yeah that's true um you know but no who, who who's to say like if I I guess I guess that like there are a lot of factors I mean you know time kind of flies you know I think like when I first started at St. John's, like there's a group of people that, you know, we all started like in the, within the same month. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was five of us starting within the same month. Uh, and I think three of us are still there. Uh, two, you know, two have gone on to uh, to do some, you know, uh, some other things. But uh, yeah, you know, eight years is a long time. And you know, like, you know, I, I, I love what I do. You know, I, I continue to grow at it and, you know, and, you know, even like, you know, next year and the, the year after, you know, I believe like, you know, some good things are, you know, are, are bound to happen. And, you know, like every year is something new. Every, every year I have opportunity to grow and to develop professionally and, and do things that, you know, that I didn't do last year. And I, I don't feel like I'm stuck in a, in a box, you know, like there, there's some influence there. And, and, and the drive for me, there's a much stronger drive for me to continue to grow professionally than there is for me to like open up a, a uh, like full time design shop or creative shop, right? Uh, yeah, because then you got to do accounting. <laughs> yeah, I, look, look, like, uh, like even now, like you know, I, I do all my accounting like with my wife's help. Um, you it's know, no I, fun, man. <laughs> it, no, it's it's not. You know what? But it, it's it's part of it's part of the business. Uh, I think yeah. she does all my invoicing, right? And then you know, I, I'll make sure that I, you know I'm, I'm paid on time. Uh, but you know, but 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 again, and and that's you know, working with universities and, and teams, you know that you know I, I would have to say like that's one thing I, I usually don't worry about, uh, like if people are gonna if if your clients are gonna pay you because it's the university, right? Like, yeah, like you're going to get paid. It might not yeah. be thirty days, but they they will pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna pay. It could be forty five days, but hey, it's I don't have to chase you down like if it's just a regular, um, you know, just a regular. Who has his own small business? He hired you to do a job. You know, you may not see your money. You know, if he have a bad month, right? But a, a university, like you're, you're gonna get your money. Yeah, totally, man. 
Well, listen, uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, I just want to know, like, is there anything that you kind of want to leave listeners with? Any maybe like advice to people that are kind of looking to to do both things where you're, you're building brands in-house, but you also are doing a little bit of freelancer. Just any, anything that you want to say, what something that you're working on, what do you want to say to listeners as we kind of close up? Uh, well, I mean, the main thing is, is to do what you love to do. Uh, be passionate about it. Always listen to, you can always learn from anyone. You can learn from people older than you. You can learn from people younger than you. Always be open. Always be uh, open to critiques. And just, you know, just know that, you know, there's, there's somebody out there. They're trying to be as good as you. So you, you always need to, you know, try to be as good as the next guy. Try to be better, better than the next guy. But always have a plan. Always know what your, your five-year plan is. Always know what your three-year plan is. You know, where do you want to be? How do you position yourself? Um, you know, and just, you know, if, if you're, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, if you love people and if you're nice to people and, and you're open, you know, all of that will, you know, will, will come back to you. Just grind it out, do a good job, and and you know, just 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 keep working. That's good stuff, man. Where can listeners follow you on Twitter and support your work online? Uh, well, I'm Mikael Jackson everywhere. So it's M E K A L E Jackson. That's at Twitter, Instagram. I'm just Mikael. My website is MikaelJackson.com. LinkedIn, Mikael Jackson. You can find me. You know, if you just Google Mikael Jackson, it's not too many Mikael Jacksons out there. So <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck with Adam Martin, man. There's probably about a million of those. It's ridiculous. So I have to add the T to my name, T Adam Martin. There's not very many of those. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> all right, man. Well, listen, I, it was it was great to connect, and I know that we briefly ran into each other down at Cosida a few years back. So hopefully, I'll I'll get back down there again one of these days, and uh, yeah. and I'll, I'll buy you lunch or or something like that. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. My next guest is going to be Brian Gundel. Brian is a full-time freelance graphic designer based out of Portland, Oregon. Brian's career has touched many aspects of the sports industry from agency to consumer brand to in-house at a professional team as well as college football recruiting. He's worked at Old Hat Design, the Arizona the Arizona Diamondbacks, and most recently, the University of Washington as a football recruiting designer before jumping out to make the move to freelance. To learn more about Brian, head over to his website, briangundel.com, or follow him on Twitter at bgundel. That's G-U-N-D-E-L-L for Gundel. Big thanks again to Mikhail Jackson for taking some time to come aboard the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned, I connected with Mikhail many years ago on Twitter and uh, have really appreciated following his work and his career. He's also a big family man, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of being one myself. Uh, be sure to go follow him on Twitter at Mikhail Jackson, M-E-K-A-L-E Jackson. And you can view some of his work or read some of his blog posts over at MikhailJackson.com. If you're interested in hearing more episodes, then head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to check out previous interviews on the website or listen to the original halftime episodes where I discuss business, entrepreneurship, and freelance in the sports industry. As mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, all future halftime episodes will be available to community members only. If you want to support the podcast, then you can join the community at makersofsport.com slash community. Our first live Q&A, which was also recorded and is available to listen to 
if you happen to join as of today even, was with my trademark and IP lawyer, Will Montague of Montague Law PLLC. Will gave us some valuable insights into the trademark and copyright law industry, and we discussed what we need to make sure to include in our contracts, uh, as well as clearing up some misconceptions about working with lawyers. I often joke about going to Will's office and seeing uh, people with long hair and beards walking out, which those that know me now, having done this podcast for two years, sitting in a uh, in, a, in a studio for two years and having no human interaction other than the inter- internet, I've grown a beard and long hair myself. So way different than my image on the on the about me page of the podcast website. But anyhow, you see a lot of those people going in and out of Will's office. He works with a lot of tech people, startups, designers, that type of thing. Our next Q and A is going to be Todd Radom, who was guest on episode four of Todd Radom Design. The podcast is listener supported and it is not sponsor supported. I've turned down sponsors because I don't want to sell you as the product. I want the podcast to be the product and it's creative outlets. So if you get value from the show or its outlets on social media, email newsletters or other areas, then please consider supporting the show. I ask that you vote with your hard earned dollars to support the show by joining the community. And in exchange, you'll get additional content, premium content at the cost of roughly five coffees per month. So if you forgo five coffees per month, join the podcast and support the show. For those that can't afford it at this very moment or just for casual listeners, don't have fear. The interview episodes will always be free. But if you do crave that additional stuff, then please support the show by joining makersofsport.com slash community. If you can't join the community and you miss halftime, then sign up for the newsletter. Those have sort of morphed into a little halftime anyway. It's a weekly newsletter where I write exclusive content and share the things that I'm reading, that I find interesting, or just write particular articles about a subject. Uh, In addition, you'll be notified of upcoming guests and get podcast show notes delivered to your inbox. Makersofsport.com slash emo is where you can sign up for that email newsletter. Lastly, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. Hit the five star and write about your experience with the show. Again, if you get value from the show at all and cannot support the show by joining the community, then even doing something as simple as taking a couple minutes and writing a review really helps support the show and, and proves that that you care. So I'll accept likes on or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever application you happen to be listening if you don't have an iTunes account. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and Dribble. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.